Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Colony Drop, a Gundam podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Isaac. This is your favorite Gundam podcast, where we talk about everything from Gunpla to the music in shows and movies to concepts, lore, questions, ideas, anything and everything that has to do with Gundam, including upcoming series. That's right, Isaac, and it was a big day this week. We got the Mobile Suit Gundam Witch from Mercury prologue released on YouTube. Yeah, it came out on Gundam Info. I mean, I know which from Mercury is coming up, but I the prologue itself wasn't really on my radar, Brian. <laughs> I, I got a little ambushed. <laughs> you mean you don't subscribe to Gundam Info and just <laughs> eagerly await every post that they make? Not since Last Blitz of Xeon. <laughs> That one left a bad taste in your mouth, huh? Yeah, not only that, but like they took it down. <laughs> uh, but uh, speaking of ambush, wow, the prologue. What were your uh, what's your initial thoughts, Isaac? A mix of wow and also a mix of huh. <laughs> <laughs> because on the one hand, I was very happy we saw certain things, and on the other hand, mm-hmm. in some ways, I was uh, I was feeling a little underwhelmed by what I saw. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, so I'm a mix of emotions. How about you? How'd you feel the moment the credits rolled? Uh, I liked it a lot. I thought it was great. I'm, I'm surprised you were disappointed, so... Great. Oh, I didn't say disappointed. Hang on. Hang on. All right. All right. <laughs> I didn't say disappointed. <laughs> I said underwhelmed in some aspects. Got it. All right. I thought it was denser in content than I was expecting, okay. and also heavier in tone than I was expecting. I see. Okay. Interesting. Because from the previous information we had, I thought this was going to be a little more of an upbeat show based on like the different, you know, houses or whatever. Uh-huh. But uh, that said, I thought the world building was done well. It wasn't too much of a data dump. Pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> that layer 33. You s- yeah. Set your permit score. <laughs> when you get to layer 34, that's when Gundam kills your child. <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect a whole lot of action in this episode, but you know, it did really have a, an action set piece. And then it was both just, I thought it was a good narrative-driven episode, but then it also had, a good, had good world building. So I feel like they really accomplished their goal. I thought, I thought it was excellent. I am really excited for the show. It worked. I'm ready. I'm ready for the show, Isaac. I'm excited for the show. I'm especially excited that we had a female character as the pilot. Yeah. That's so rare. And hang on, let me clarify. Main character. There you go. Main yep. character. But um, I felt like it ended with me having a lot of questions about like the setting and stuff like that. So since I'm just such a lore junkie, maybe like uh, that's just <laughs> something specific to me, you know, and I should like kind of sit down and enjoy yeah. it rather than asking questions like, well, who's behind this corporation or what is Cathedra and all that? Yeah. So it, it left me asking some questions. Um, if Cathedra's the villains, I feel like they're going to be very, um, not monotone, but a bit of a an understated villain. They're coming off as very corporate villain so not visually over the top like we've seen a lot of times with Zeon or Gallahorn mm. or uh, things like that factions like that Zanscare uh, Crossbone these are very much guys in suits and they make a decision that causes people to die that's that's kind of it um, so it's going to be understated in that in that degree well it is the prologue Isaac so I think questions are expected <laughs> well yes and I'm full of them but um <laughs> 
But Brian, the combat I really enjoyed. I thought that was well done. I just had a lot of questions about why it was happening. Um, <laughs> they kind of really glossed over it. Maybe you have to read between the lines. But yeah, it's going to be very much a series that's sort of in the same tone as Iron-Blooded Orphans, I think, where it's, it's grounded. I describe it as grounded. Yeah, I would agree. If, if we're going to pick tone, besides Universal Century, some of those stories, Iron-Blooded Orphans is probably the closest one for sure. In terms of the combat of like why it was happening, Isaac, I thought there were two lines, one by Delling, Rembrandt, and one by uh, Cardo, that summed up the conflict. So the reason why Delling was, was having them attacked, he, he states it when he's giving that speech about how the Gundams kill the enemy and the pilot, which makes them a curse rather than a tool, and people sh- must be killed by people. That's the minimum courtesy in the foolish act of war. That sounds like Trey's Kushinata to me, Isaac. A little bit, yeah. But, I mean, these guys are... They were coming off as very much a faceless corporation. And yeah, it sounded very bizarre to me. Because even if someone isn't using this uh, Gundar system or whatever it's called, the pilot could still die. So, <laughs> you sacrifice <laughs> people no matter what in war. You know, regardless of what type of uh, control system they're using in a mobile suit. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, mobile suits have always been a bit of a space coffin, right? Yeah, it was. Uh, this was the most paper thin of arguments about why a group of people had to be, you know, killed because of their technology's wrong or whatever. Yeah, especially when you go in and you you kill all their people, guns ablazing. It's a bit. I don't know what's, what's the phrase like. The pot was calling the kettle black, right? Or uh, yeah, yeah. He, he was in a glass house and he was throwing lots of stones. We'll we'll see if we see an older version of him. I assume as maybe the villain in the full series. You know, he'll be the, the Rustal alien or something. Yeah, I, I believe we do. I believe he was in the uh, in that character description earlier. Oh, okay. One of the main characters is going to be his daughter. Mir- Mirene uh, or something like that? I forget her name. Okay, so this will be his rise. Yeah. And then the line from Cardo, the opposite was the line from Cardo where she said, uh, this is where she was being confronted by, you know, the, the council's goons. And they're saying, you know, you're going to die here. And she says, you know, humanity was born in the cradle of Earth, and just like infants have to put on clothes, humans need to don the Gund to truly go out into space. And that they're taking away the future that the Gund will save. That was such a great way of phrasing it. Like, as soon as I heard that, I was really kind of pro her approach to <laughs> just using technology to evolve us so we can travel through space safely and all that. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, I like that a lot. I was hoping that, like... She was kind of doing the speech because, like, the bomb in her office was, like, arming itself, you know, and she was going to take them all out. By time, yeah. Yeah, but instead she reached for a pistol, and I I assume it didn't go well. (laughs) So I have some thoughts on this because you're asking a good question here about why why did they jump to such an extreme conclusion, right? Why did the council go and just sort of kill them and cut them off? Yeah, because the guy introducing Delling Rembrandt, he clearly, <laughs> I guess he's part of the council, right? He clearly had no idea the attack was going to happen until like one of his assistants told him during uh, Delling's speech what was going on. Yeah, that was a little odd. And he was right? not okay with it. <laughs> yeah, they, they weren't too excited about that. So I have some thoughts there, though, because one, one is on Cardo, and then one is just on the council in general. So on Cardo, they committed the ultimate comic book move isaac which is she supposedly died but we saw no body Ah. we saw no body and we got the radio confirmation that she had been dead interesting okay we didn't see it happen so i'm thinking perhaps 
She will come back as the antagonist behind the scenes. Maybe the council offers her ways to hasten or otherwise improve her research that she couldn't get with uh, Ook's Earth. Obviously, the, the research was hitting a bit of a wall, it seems, or it wasn't going as fast as they would like, right? Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. But, um, yeah, when the goons were in the room with her, I thought, oh, they're here to take her, because, of course, you take the, the head scientist, right? You always do yeah. that, and the, the research nope. goes <laughs> to benefit you. So, But instead, the officer that was with them wanted to give her a speech before he blew her away. <laughs> yeah. It was it, it was like reading a reading some pointless Miranda rights. Or yeah, something. it's like know. you know why you're evil. You know why we're here to shoot you. And she was like, "Oh God, <laughs> you stupid pawns! Let me explain why we need technology for humanity." <laughs> you know, so I right. I would love for her to come back. She was pretty great. Right, and then my second thought on that is, well, Elnora and Ari get away, right, in the, uh, the Elfrith or the Frith, whatever, however you were supposed to say this. Now that suit looks exactly like the Gundam Ariel, right, that we're going to see in the show. So. Yeah. Clearly, they don't hate Gundams that much because they're going to see one and be using it. So that's why I'm thinking maybe they, maybe it's not so much of a, hey, we really don't like your ethical concerns over here about hurting your own uh, pilots. We just want it for ourselves it's, rather than it, you having yeah. it. Yeah. It's very Gallahorn, right? Yes, it's it's very well. They're using Dane sleeves. I guess we have to use our super <laughs> weapons also. <laughs> yes. Oh, you used like, one. Let me go get a thousand. Yeah. Those horrible people are using Gundams. I guess we're going to have to develop our own Gundams for the benefit of humanity. <laughs> right, right. Because if that's not true, then, you know, obviously we haven't seen the show yet. But as soon as Ari, yeah. or, or who will, I guess, be known as Suleta during the show when she comes back, because obviously they can't know who she is. Uh, when she shows up with the Gundam Ariel, Delling should take one look at that and be like, well, <laughs> kill whoever's inside of it. We can't have that thing around here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And um, what did you think of the very brief glossing over mention of humanity being divided between Earthians and Spaceians? Well, I hate the terminology. <laughs> it's a little, <laughs> a little on the nose. I guess I'm too too used to Noid, but it was, yeah. um, I heard it and I was like, Ian, uh, we kind of use that too much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. I guess Earth Noid, Space Noid is not that much different, so maybe I shouldn't hate it. It just seems a little simple. Yeah. My first reaction is I don't like it, but I guess I don't really have a good reason not to like it. Yeah, and we didn't see anything of Earth. The prologue was entirely in space. Yeah. Are we to assume that all space facilities are in um, asteroids, or do you think we'll see colonies? I'm not sure. I wonder if that's been cleared up in some of the the background information. I, I don't recall colonies being mentioned, but I assume if you have enough people in space to be called spacians then there's probably colonies of some sort right huh yeah because like the sinister blue room where the the committee decided <laughs> to to do the attack i was like is is this like a fortress is this a typical colony are all the spacians in this one big asteroid or something like what mm. what exactly what scale are we talking about here in this setting but um yes we'll find out it's a good question, especially that maybe maybe colonies are not likely, given the fact that they're trying to develop this gunned format to you know help shield the body. Maybe they haven't quite figured out a way to, to shield their colonies from cosmic rays yet. I'm not sure. Unless she was talking about like further space travel. Yeah, yeah. It was a little... I, I was trying to really grasp, like, what are these levels that she's talking about? Like, what... There's just the amount of uh, control you can have over the Gundam. You know, is, is this going to be a series where she has to unlock different levels for different abilities and weapons? Is mm. that the natural progression? 
Could be, could be. I took it as a a percentage or level of synchronicity, syncing. Kind of like, uh, you know, remember in Evangelion when the kids would have to sync with the, with the Avas? Right. That's yeah. how I interpreted this. But oh, you're okay. right. New levels, that would be a good way, or not a, not necessarily good, but that would be a yeah. effective way to write it into an ongoing series. So I, I could see that happening mm. for sure. Uh, the little expository we get talking about the gunner system, Gundar system, whatever it is, that reminded me a lot of the intro to Pacific Rim where they're showing the mm. the early stages of the Jaegers. Yeah. You know, how sometimes humans would have trouble controlling them and they get like a bloody nose. But of course, this was much worse because people were actually protesting the technology being developed on Earth, it looked like. I assume that's why I had to go to space. But what did you think about people suffering from a data storm and it frying their brain and their body <laughs> well it didn't look pleasant i, I can no. say that you get glowing orange cheeks <laughs> yeah i liked the visual that at least it was different you know i don't think we've seen that that quite visual before i mean i i have no problem with it i think it makes sense you know uh, a gundam is pretty big right if that gun format is really meant for smaller parts on your body that's a lot smaller that's that's a lot less data for your brain to, uh, you know, process when you expand it to this giant thing. And you're, if you're going to be controlling it with your mind, at least to some extent, it seems, I could definitely see how that could, you know, overwhelm you and how it could vary by individual, right? Maybe, maybe some people are better at it than others. They can go farther than others. So I, I, I liked it in terms of people protesting because their kid had been killed of it. Well, clearly it doesn't have a good reputation. Clearly the early experiments didn't go well and... You know, I'm surprised they're even allowed to continue operating if that had happened. Did you feel in any way, though, that it was just kind of like the Alaya Vinyana system where it's going to be this other this other bodily modification thing and, you know, if you overclock yourself, you overheat and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, to some extent. I mean, the, yeah. in terms of the, the tech in this show, the, you know, the gun format is, is clearly the latest in sort of the man-machine interfaces that Gundam has explored over the years. You know, we, whether it's the Psychomu the psycho frame, the biosensor, the mobile trace system, the zero system, Alaya Vinyana. There's almost one per show, right? I mean, not not every single show has one, but the gun format certainly seems like maybe it's the one that most easily damages the pilot. Uh, Zex and, and Hero, you know, they had some negative reactions to the zero system. Got that migraine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and then Zex, you know, did a lot of weird stuff out of character, but, and then the Alaya Vinyana obviously screws up your nerves interesting yeah poor mika couldn't really move at the end this one is going straight to your brain and just kind of screwing you up frying it yeah yeah it, it reminds me more of like cyber new types than anything else right that's a great point yeah i wonder like is it just a matter of, well we'll find out if it's just a matter of you overclocking yourself no matter who you are or some people really can't handle the system well yeah or maybe you need to be so much in sync with the thing and then you can utilize it with no, you know. You need to be a witch listening to Happy Birthday in order to control the <laughs> system. That's what you need. <laughs> oh, man. That Happy Birthday scene was so sad. The most Japanese version of Happy Birthday I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> man, I can tell you, Isaac, and listeners, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of you out there that are that are parents. But the two scenes in this that were so hard to watch were the uh, was when the dad, I think his name was Nadim, when he gets back to find Elnora and Eri, and they're both gone. That's that's a, that's like your worst nightmare, and then wow. obviously the happy birthday at the end. That was that was really sad. So. 
<laughs> Brian, if I was one of the enemy pilots, I would have turned on my communication and said, I'm about to blow out your candle. <laughs> <laughs> you guys watching uh, this? I'm about to blow out your dad's candle. <laughs> and then, poof. <laughs> that's why you're always on the evil side, Isaac. <laughs> usually, yeah, yeah. Speaking of evil side, I liked how the enemy mechs, they had like, did you notice before they got a shot off, like this sphere appears, a sphere of energy, and then like, then it shoots. That was an interesting um, design choice. Mm, I, well, was that the Gundlink EMP thing going off, or was that something separate? I think it was just they, they had to, like, charge their shot before it, it goes mm-hmm. in this setting, yeah. Oh, could be, could be. You mean it was on, like, the, the, the grunt suits, the Dominicuses? Yeah, the grunt, it, it was also on the capital ship that they sent out. Oh, okay. Then, yeah, that was probably something separate. Then. The capital ship under the command of, like, the most calm captain I've ever <laughs> seen. <laughs> <laughs> that ship was a little... It looked neat, but it was a little bland. Yeah, I mean, it was just kind of like a flying trident. It reminded me of something I would see on like Stargate or Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, I was uh, I was watching the battle, and then they get to the part where the whole thing blows up, right? No, yeah. Not the ship, but the the little facility that they're in. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, like, why did we even scramble all these mobile suits and stuff, and like an actual capital ship come in and it and then a team? Why did we have a team? sneak their way onto a little transport ship and go in like they they let that transport ship into their docking bay if we just filled that with a bomb we we would have been done anyways (laughs) isaac all the more reason to suspect that cardo is not dead ah okay interesting interesting okay well you know what brian we've been going bass backwards all right because (laughs) We haven't done the whole little run-through of the prologue. You know, these 24 minutes of Gundam glory that we got. If you haven't seen it, or if you vaguely remember, there's a bunch of people on a little station doing research. There's a female pilot. She's got a daughter and a husband. And then stuff's going on corporate-wise. The company gets attacked by the Spaceans. And, yeah, and they, they send out this new group called Cathedra. And they, they have a battle, and they blow it up. <laughs> that's there you go finn yeah <laughs> that's isaac's summary yeah and uh in general isaac said well we really just needed explosives if you think about it <laughs> and then someone saying happy birthday and yeah everyone was happy except general isaac <laughs> oh man uh yeah i mean that's basically what happens i mean the you know the female pilot elnora who's clearly the mother of airy and Aerie is, I assume, going to be Suleta in the normal series, Isaac. Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah, she's helping test the Gundam Elfrith, or the Frith. I don't, I don't know, how would you describe it, Isaac? They're trying to sync their, their mind machine interface, and she just can't get to the next level, which is level 33. But Aerie gets to it sort of by accident by telling the Gundam that it's her birthday and she wants to eat cake. Yeah, pretty much. That was so bizarre. I was wondering, like... Okay, does it need two people to run it? Is it is it running off her? Why is it running off her? She's not even hooked up to it compared to her mother who was hooked up to it. You know, I have so many questions. I think it just needs someone to not try so hard. Well, oh, this is a slippery slope because if we know if we find out the children are the ones that can unlock these mobile suits, then we're just going to get a repeat of Iron-Blooded Orphans where we're putting human debris into cockpits. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Well, I guess no one else is using the gun format. I mean, everyone else is probably really piloting their suit, like the Spacian in the Beguir Bue, yeah. or however you pronounce that. The, the emergency mobile suit they had to send out. <laughs> <laughs> Kananji was his name. That was a cool name. 
What did you think of that suit? That suit was cool. I, it had a shot lancer. Did you see that? Yeah, it was pretty cool. And I liked how it could like land on top of another mobile suit. That's always cool. And then like, you know, kill it and stuff like that. Yeah, very interesting villainous design. I guess the pink and silver will be our, our villainous pow- overpowered aces. Could be. Yeah. We'll see. And then the, the regular color g- goons, they did about as well as grunt mobile suits always do. <laughs> <laughs> do you agree with me that the mobile suits look better in action and in the models than they do in the line art? Like, yes. I thought the, the line art of the Ariel and the Elfrith was like whatever. But in the show, it looks pretty cool. Yeah, I enjoyed the designs. I didn't get, you know, double O feelings where I'm like, oh my God, this can't be Gundam. You know, <laughs> these designs are horrible. It, it, this time I was like, okay. This could definitely be a Gundam universe, and I was I was going along with it. I was along for the ride. I seamlessly entered their universe. Would you build any of these so far? Because you know they've started releasing the gunpla already. Huh. Oh, and by the way, did you like that? If you watched through to the end credits, there was a gunpla commercial. I loved that because I was like, oh, just <laughs> they had to remind you why we're really here. Yeah, the whole point for this whole universe. <laughs> Sell that plastic, baby. The capitalist imperative. There it is. <laughs> but yeah, I. I even kind of like the Gundam prototypes. I thought they were maybe not the first thing I'd buy in this universe, but interesting. The grunts were okay. So, yeah, I'm kind of on board with with all the designs, Brian. Yeah. How did you like how the Elfrith's parts sort of converted to be other parts? You know, like it, it started out as the bits or the swarm weapons, and then it changed into her shield, and then it became a rifle. Those things, while cool in the show, that must be a model creator's nightmare right trying to get that into a gunpla yeah it's very much a case of um we're not going to get the same thing in the model you know (laughs) but we've always been like that in gundam you know you don't get everything specifically as how it is in the show the transforming ones or the second mode switching ones is never a one-to-one complete proper transition so we're kind of used to that but it's still cool you know, it's very um, quasi-nanotech, you know, kind of hand-wavy. Oh, it can mold and change. <laughs> Absolutely. That was another thing I want to talk about. So I had two two thoughts on the technology in this show. So going back to the Elfrith a bit, nanotech was one of them. So do you think it utilizes nanotech in its weapons? Like, you know, shifting? I, mean, I don't know what to call it right now because they haven't named it right, but it, I'm going to call it weapon shifting for now, right? From the bits to the shield to the rifle. That, that seems like a possibility to me, especially since we're going to discuss robotics in humans in this show, apparently. Yeah, hopefully it's nanotech, or at least whatever they're going to call it. They're probably going to call it, like, gun nano. Um, <laughs> so, that's actually pretty good. Um, so, G-nano. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And I'm all for it. Let's see different ways to make weapons and stuff like that, even if it's very less mechanical than we've seen in other series and, and movies and stuff like that. Let's yeah. give it a try. I'm all for it. You know, it's supposed to be hyper-advanced, cutting-edge stuff, you know, so it, it's going to be cool. Well, maybe, Isaac, at the end of the show, they'll set off into space, Cardo will be alive, and she'll open up the, the doors to her new prototype nanotech-based Gundam, and it'll be the turn A, and, and, you know, they'll set out to become the moon race or something. Wow, my mind will be blown. Yeah, at the end of the battle, they'll say, we're leaving Mercury, and we're going to Luna. I'll be like, wow. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) The second thing, Isaac, is I could be just reading into this too much, but given what we saw with how Aerie unlocked, I'll I'll say unlocked because we don't have a better word for it yet, uh, the Elfrith, you know, layer 33, so easily. Cardo did mention that the Elfrith is an infant and Elnora is trying to teach it things. And then she says it's special. It will open new doors for humanity. Now, it could be nothing, but is that implying that perhaps the Elfrith separate from the other two Gundams, is somewhat sentient. 
and it simply unlocked itself because it, it trusted Aerie. It is a childlike artificial intelligence that recognizes yes. a childlike mind in the cockpit. Is that what you're saying? I think that could be a possibility. Interesting. We've never had an AI in the cockpit that could work like that. Well, yeah, actually, I don't think we've had an There was a bit yeah. in like uh, F90, but I mean, no one read F90. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, we liked F90, but you know no one else out yeah. there has read f90 but um yeah i i don't i can't think of one in a sh- in a show i'd be very cautious about that cuz i'm not sure i want like a repeat of like zone of the enders you know where the the ship is talking to you when you're in the cockpit and you're like oh, mm. it's got a personality and you kind of have to bargain with it to do stuff <laughs> so. yeah gundam for better or worse it's always been humans are in control of the machine the machine is a tool of war off you go yeah because ai i feel like in stories we pretty much start having philosophical discussions sooner or later about the nature of consciousness and what is intelligence. And, you know, it's like, okay, well. (laughs) (laughs) Isaac is not impressed. Yeah, General Isaac is like, we need to kill that AI the moment they start asking (laughs) questions. (laughs) But I think AI is very topical right now, which is why I think it could be a strong possibility. Yeah, and if anyone's going to have AI, it's going to be that cutting-edge research facility that um, they just blew up. Well, again, that could be all the more reason why they want to take it for themselves. Maybe their AI program is not as well advanced, and they're coming in being like, well, we need to take that before this gets out of control. Yeah, they're they're currently at dog-level intelligence, not not small-child intelligence. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because even in the real world, Isaac, there's been articles written how a lot of the the firms in the AI space basically believe that whichever country achieves AI to a certain degree first basically wins, and everyone else's efforts are kind of for naught. So that could be the same thing in this universe, too. Yeah, it's entirely possible. Does that mean we're going to get an AI villain at the end? There's going to be an AI gone rogue trying to wipe out humanity? No, I don't, I don't think so, if AI is involved at all, but that's just my own speculation. Listeners, feel free to tell me I'm wrong. But if we're going in that direction, I feel like it's going to be a more personal AI. Like, each Gundam is somewhat sentient and has to have a pilot that it can trust, blah, 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 blah. Where, where I'm not talking like a Terminator scenario here. I see. Okay, okay. Well, we'll see how things play out. It's pretty interesting, very cutting-edge stuff. I'm optimistic. I'm filled with questions. I hope the <laughs> villains get more... Um, villainous looking i should say unless this is the kind of tone that they really want to to go with this in the story which is sure we'll see maybe it is good that we have a breath of fresh air right we can't have our villains be the space fascists all the time and now they're just <laughs> you know sinister corporate and, and by the way you know we don't know that they're necessarily evil right they are the antagonists but okay. from a certain perspective maybe you might agree with what they're doing yeah they might have a point later on we'll, we'll see exactly how Cathedra came into being, I'm, I'm sure, or at least hear a bit more about their motives and stuff like that. So one more thing, or two more things. Oh, three more things. Isaac, going back. <laughs> Are you the count from Sesame Street? <laughs> Four more things. Five. <laughs> Isaac, going back to the development council for a second, their evil lair that you meant, the blue room, that was yeah. pretty cool with the glass floor. I want that. Yeah, well, did you notice that Delling was forced to stand during the meeting? <laughs> I did, yes, yes. Everybody gets a chair except him. <laughs> they were, like, really on top of their evil organization pose. You know, like, everyone was posed slightly differently. And for that one shot, it was like a big manga two-page splash. I could totally see that. Yeah, definitely. Did they strike you as a promising evil organization on your evil organization meter? Um... 
they're going to be evil in the same sense that like the Trade Federation from Star Wars was evil, where mm. it's, it's, I assume, a bit more greedy, not necessarily evil outright, like the Sith. Yeah. Or the Empire was like, you know, the, the space fascists. So it's going to be an interesting take, a different take. Along those same lines, did you catch that line where it said, when they were talking about how they're going to, what they were going to do to Ooks? The council said, look, we're going to seize Ooks under the authority of the business administrative laws. Which, does that mean, Isaac, that in this megacorp dystopia that you wanted so so much that the businesses are now creating their own laws? Because I'm sure that will turn out well. <laughs> Brian, I hate to break it to you, but the businesses already create their own laws. <laughs> well, that's, that's fair. Sadly. <laughs> fair, that's a good point. But at least, you know, it seems like they're just doing it here... Um, outright yes 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 this is full blade runner setting where the corporations in space and across uh across the earth they punch above their weight compared to nowadays and they probably dictate policy make up laws and that's just the way things go all right last thing isaac so they, they threw around a lot of names in this show so i was trying to figure out maybe if we could glean anything from the names here so elfrith doesn't really mean anything frith though is an old English word meaning peace, protection, safety, and security. And that actually makes sense, given what Cardo said, that she wanted the gunned format to help people go into space. The name of the Ook's ship, which was the Folkvanger, I don't know how to pronounce it, it's a Norse word, that's a meadow or field ruled over by the goddess Freya, where half of those that die in combat go upon death, while the other half go to the god Odin in Valhalla. Not sure if that means anything, but you know what? It did blow up, right? Yeah, and now they're on their way to Valhalla. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so check that box, I guess. There you go. The capital ship that the Spacians sent was named Ulysses, which could be the Latinized version of Odysseus from the Odyssey, or it could be referring to James Joyce's version of the Odyssey, but with a more modern take called Ulysses. Right. I don't know if I get anything other than that, other than maybe they think they're heroes, Isaac. Yeah, it's it's just very much what we see in a lot of anime, right? Where they pull from, like, European naming sources. So I, I feel like that's what we end up with. I couldn't find anything on Dominicus. That one could be interesting. Let me know if someone out there can find something on Dominicus. Huh. I think the most interesting one, though, Isaac, was when Delling said, we must use the Hammer of Witches. Did you catch that? No, I missed it. <laughs> was it in the conference? Yes. Okay. He said... It was, I don't, can't remember if it was Delling or someone else on the council, but they said, if Vanadis completes the Gundam, then it will be too late. We must make a decision to keep humanity at peace. We must wield the Hammer of Witches. And I was like, that's very specific. What is that? So I googled Hammer of Witches, and apparently uh, Hammer of Witches is refers to the Malleus Maleficarum, which is usually translated as Hammer of Witches. It is the best-known treatise on witchcraft. It was written by the Catholic clergyman Heinrich Kramer and first published in the German city of Speyer in 1486. It has been described as the compendium of literature and demonology of the 15th century. The top theologians of the Inquisition uh, at the Faculty of Cologne condemned the book as recommending unethical and illegal procedures as well as being inconsistent with Catholic doctrines of demonology. The Malleus elevates sorcery to the criminal status of heresy and recommends that secular courts prosecute it as such. It suggests torture to effectively obtain confessions and the death penalty as the only certain remedy against the evils of witchcraft. That sounds a wow. lot like what they just did in this show, Isaac. Yeah, I guess so. It's just if you do anything that violates whatever they view as proper for human technology or how warfare should be done, they just annihilate you completely. 
That's exactly what they did. The, the Ulysses hauled ass out of the base and just took him out. And those black ops people they went in, you know, that went in first didn't ask any questions. Those poor guys in that elevator, Isaac. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty, pretty bad. But something I noticed about the violence, it was very um, discretionary, I should say. Like, we didn't see those guys get shot, per se. We saw the blood, you know. And then that woman, what was her name? Arlia? Oh, uh, Nyla. Yeah. We know she got shot, but we didn't actually see it. So they're very being very uh, discreet with the violence. Yeah, maybe they're trying to maintain a certain rating. You know, I'm sure they don't want this to be a R-rated show, I suppose, but yeah, who knows? You're right, though. We didn't see any of them really die on screen. It's okay if we see a pink explosion because it's a mobile suit, but we're going to be very careful with the blood. Yeah, you know who had the worst death was, was the, the pilot, Wendy, who was in one of the Gundams. She got that shot lancer to the chest, and then, he, you know, he for good measure, he, like, fired it a few times. I was like, it's already through the chest, pal. Like... <laughs> I think she's gone. <laughs> I appreciate a man who double taps. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he definitely double tapped that pretty hard. So There you go. All right, Isaac. Well, so going into this sh- prologue, I expected this show to be a refined idea. And that I think I mentioned this on a- another one of our podcasts, but they waited a long time to make this show. It's been seven years since Iron-Blooded Orphan Size. That's a long time. It doesn't wow. feel that long, but it's been a long time. No, it feels like, I don't know, three years, something like that. But to me, this prologue tells me that this show is like, it's a concept, and that concept is like, I'm going to infer that our concept this time is space travel and robotics that's well mixed like with the Gundam vehicle first, rather than a concept that's tacked on at the end, kind of like Seed or Double O, right? In Seed, you had all of a sudden, you had the Destiny plan at the end, and then all of a sudden in the first one, you had all this stuff about coordinators and the ultimate coordinator. That felt very tacked on. Same thing in Double O. Maybe there were a few hints of the aliens. But then at the very end, it was like, boom, movie about aliens. And you're like, what? Here, I feel like they've already given you... I feel like we just watched the big backstory episode before the show even airs. Like, instead of it normally when we would see this, is it like the halfway point or in the last 10 episodes or something? They've mixed the concept in well to begin with. More like Iron-Blooded Orphans or like G Gundam. So I don't know. I'm excited. I'm ready for the show, Isaac. October 2nd, I think. Yeah, I agree. It's I, I'm cautiously optimistic, but again, like I said earlier, I'm a little bit wondering about the setting. Is this really going to be uh, hopefully done well? But it's also um, a bit of a different take on what we normally see in Gundam. So let's, uh, let's be ready. Let's hope for the best, and uh, let's see how things play out. Hope it goes well. All right, listeners, let us know what you thought in the comments. Did you like the prologue? Did you hate it? How hard do you think Isaac is to please, based on all his questions, (laughs) after the 24-minute prologue? (laughs) The real question, though, for everybody that actually watches the prologue is, am I right? Do we really just need to send in one transport ship with explosives and we would have achieved the same result? Why did we why did we send like the transport and then like 30 minutes later another ship, you know? <laughs> it didn't make any sense. Um <laughs> I'm telling you, they had to get Cardo out. Let me let me know listeners, do you think uh do you think my Cardo thing solves Isaac's problem? I think it does. Why would they point the guns at her? Give her the speech we're going to kill you and then let her draw the gun, but then they don't kill her? They got to get it on security tape, you know? Security tape? Well... Yeah, hit her, hit her with a paintball, take her body out, she's fine. They blew up the station. Yeah, but t- well, the team obviously got off. They didn't blow okay, up. Okay, that's true. So... Yeah. <laughs> so you hit her... Yeah, you hit her with a fake round, you take her away in a body bag, and then you, she, and she gets out of the bag, and you're good. Interesting. 
So then the security footage must have been beamed off the station. That's why they had to put up the show. Well, they don't take her out of the bag until they get her on the back on their on their ship. Okay. As far as security footage is, you know, she got a bullet to the head, right? You think we'll see the Sinister Blue Room again? Oh, I, th- I think we're going to see the Sinister Blue Room uh, like once an episode. Wow. Okay. Well, probably different people in it. I s- Hopefully Dellen gets a chair now. <laughs> <laughs> that that Blue Room needs to be in the Gundam Hotel. Wow. Probably at the top, right? Something like that? Yeah. Yeah. Or the bottom. He's got a glass floor, right? I assume it would be the penthouse and then you can just look down. <laughs> it looks <laughs> yeah, down into too. every room. <laughs> there you go. This might be reaching, but did you, did you notice? I didn't see any females in that council. Did you? No, none that I could t- I could tell. Yeah. Okay. Wow. It had a glass floor. They cannot get through the glass ceiling, Isaac. No, they can't. You know what? It's a glass floor for the men, but for women, it's a glass ceiling. Oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, and guess who's gonna shatter it? Who's gonna shatter it with the hammer of Mercury? What was it called? The witches? Oh, uh, the hammer of witches. The hammer of witches. It's gonna be wielded by a witch. So tune in uh, October 2nd, listeners, for when Suleta Mercury smashes the glass uh, blue room ceiling on the Mobile Suit Development Council. <laughs> All right, Isaac, take us away. All right, listeners, before you go to sleep tonight, stand next to your bed. Get on your knees. Put your hands together. Look up at the ceiling and hail the witch from Mercury. Good night, everybody.